Let's pray. Lord God, speak to us now. Encourage us, strengthen us, help us to uh, know how very much you love us. And what, uh, and knowing that, uh, give us clarity and wisdom to know how we should live for you in the light of your love. And we ask this in your name, Lord. Amen. So this is the last in our teaching season on the spiritual practices, and um, this is what we're doing. We're working together to train ourselves to do the practices that help us live with Jesus in the kingdom of heaven, that this becomes second nature to us and uh, for us. These are the practices we've looked at. If you have um, missed some of these and want to refresh it, you can go onto uh, our podcast website. Uh, you'll find links there to Apple and Spotify and so on, and you can listen. Or you can um, uh, come and ask me, and I can give you a whole bunch of resources about these things. So uh, today, we're thinking about this topic of prayer. Okay, and we're going to play a word association game because we're a smaller group today. When I say the word prayer, what's the first word that comes to your mind? Just yell it out. God. What? Asking. Yeah. Anyone else? Routine. Thought. Communication. Peace. Thanks. Relationship. Praise. Connection. Answers, help, acknowledgement, and say Jesus. Ah, oh, knees, knees, knees. What about guilt? A little bit of guilt, because you don't do it enough. You only do it when you need something. Private. Yeah, awesome. Uh, okay, so we uh, the research shows that irrespective of what you say you believe, pretty much everyone prays. Even if on the census you tick no religion, when you ask people, uh, they'll say they pray. Now, they may not know clearly in their heads to whom they pray, and they may, their prayers may take very unusual forms, uh, but, but prayer is a common, universal experience. And I'm assuming that's the case for everyone here, that you've all, we've all had a crack at praying. It's not rocket science. It's a form of communication. It's just talking to God. But it is... Um, hmm. It's at one level incredibly simple, isn't it? At another level, it's incredibly profound and mysterious. Because, and, and kind of tricky, because when we pray, we are actualizing and acting as though there is a God who actually responds and hears us and listens to us. And that's an extraordinary claim. And it's extraordinary that everyone in the world does it which makes me think it's likely that such a being exists. But it's an extraordinary thing. It's, it's at the absolute center of any relationship, prayer, because if prayer is just conversing, is talking, then we know in our human relationships 
that uh, that communication, conversation, talking and listening is central to any healthy relationship. You don't, you don't build a relationship of any depth and intimacy without communication, and so it is with God. But because of that, even though we pray sort of instinctively, I don't know about you, but prayer can also... Um, Hmm. Prayer can surface my doubts. Don't you feel that sometimes? You pray and you go, hmm, I'm just talking to an empty room. Prayer can surface my doubts because I can think, oh, um, if there is a God and I pray and I ask him for X, Y, or Z, well, why does he answer this prayer for me even and not that prayer for someone else? Why, when I pray for so-and-so to get healed, do they die? <laughs> But when someone else prays for someone to get healed, they get well. So prayer is powerful. It's personal. It drives us to the very heart of faith. And because of that, it also drives us to that place of doubt, right? Because faith and doubt always go together. You go, is there really a God? Is he listening? What sort of God is there? But I don't know about you. I have found as I've gone on in life that... There is nothing that is as significant for my own faith, even with all the doubts, and my own life with God, and my own emotional and psychological well-being as talking to God regularly, continually, all the time, as often as I can. This is, in fact, what um, the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5. Uh, in, in the context of developing persecution and hardship, he says this, Rejoice always, pray when you really need to, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Well, that's not what he says. He says, pray continually. Pray continually. Talk all the time to God. Now, of course, what does that mean? Does that mean when you're walking to Woolies to do your shopping, you're mumbling all the time and talking under your breath? Is that what it means? I mean, that'd be a little strange. I mean, maybe you do that. That's okay with a mask on. But might get some odd looks. I want to suggest prayer doesn't have to be vocalized. Prayer can, you know, thoughts are conversation. If God is spirit and God can... God doesn't have ears like you and I have ears. God doesn't need uh, energy to move through sound to work against an eardrum to activate synapses in the brain for us to hear, right? He doesn't, have e he doesn't need that physical process to hear. So God as spirit can actually hear and connect with our thoughts. So we can pray continually in one sense by having an inner dialogue with God in our heads, Right? That's one way. So what I thought I'd do today is we're going to get super practical. This isn't going to be a theoretical description uh, uh, of prayer. But here are some practices to develop the practice of praying continually. And, uh, and uh, we're going to start, I, I wanted us to, um, we're going to start with an ancient practice uh, that has been part particularly of the Orthodox or Eastern Church for uh, um, like 1,500 years um, of breath prayers. And so we're going to do some breath praying now. 
And to start with, I want to set it up by just drawing to your attention Psalm 131. As we come to pray, this is a helpful stance to have. This is what the psalmist says, My heart is not proud, Lord. My eyes are not haughty. So you come to God with the inner being, like the heart matters, and, and the stance of your heart is one of, I'm not proud, I'm just humble. Like, to come to God to talk, you've got to come with humility. I don't concern myself with great matters or things that are too wonderful for me. We don't come thinking that we're in charge of the world or that we're going to ch change the world and solve every problem in the world. That's, you can just come as you are with the concerns that are on your heart. And then verse 2, but I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child. I am content. So the place of prayer is to come humbly and then calm yourself down and be content with God in his presence. I don't know of a better way of doing that than this form of prayer that I found so useful over so many years. You may never have done it, but it's called breath prayer, and it's very simple. Uh, the first thing to do is to teach you how to breathe. Okay, you may think this is silly because you know how to breathe, but uh, what you need to do is calm yourself down, so uncross your legs, <sighs> sit comfortably. And, and you're going to pray, you're going to start, we'll, we'll start breathing. Actually, I'll explain the whole process. Now you're all looking comfortable, and then I'll talk it through, I'll talk you through in steps. And you, we're going to do breath prayers, so the way, to, the way to do deep breathing is to breathe from your stomach. So as you breathe in, the air comes in through your nose, and your, your belly acts like the bellows on, uh, on a on a pump. So you feel your belly go out, you put your hand on your belly and you go. And then you pull your belly in and that pushes the air out. Just very slowly. So breathe in. I find it very helpful to have my hand on my stomach because that just helps me be aware that, because often we're breathing very shallowly like. <laughs> So when you breathe shallowly and your diaphragm's up here, it actually keeps the adrenaline going. That's the breathing of fight or flight and tension. This is the breathing. When you breathe this way, it calms you down because it activates your autonomic nervous system. And you just, it's the feed and breathe part of your system. I could show you in profile what's happening to my stomach, but you know, that might be a bit embarrassing. So we, no one can see your stomach because you're all seated. I often find it helpful to do this lying on the ground. So now you're all seated. Now what you do is when you breathe in, you simply pick a name of God that is meaningful to you, and as you breathe in, you, you say the name of God in your head. So the, the ancient prayer of the Eastern Church is a very simple one. Uh, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. So breathing in is the name of God. Breathing out is a desire of your heart. So you breathe in. Mm. 
This is the ancient prayer of the Orthodox, the Jesus prayer. So let's try this just quietly. We're going to breathe in, everybody comfortable. And on your way in, you just say in your mind, or, or you can vocalize it, you just go, Lord Jesus Christ. And then as you breathe out, have mercy on me, a sinner. Okay? Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. So I'll add another piece. Shoulders down and relaxed as you do that. Just relax into the moment. And you keep doing this, and you just allow the breathing and the prayer to draw you into an awareness that God is with you. Now I'll give you another example of a prayer you can pray. Very simple. Let's do the same thing, maybe with this. Abba, Father, I belong to you. You see how simple it is. You just take whatever one name of God. Abba, Father, I belong to you. Abba, Father, I belong to you. Now you can do this sitting at your desk, sitting at a traffic light, lying in bed, calming yourself down before sleep. You can do it as part of your workout regime. You can do it as part of your stretching, Pilates, yoga. You can do it anywhere. The key is simplicity, a name of God, a desire, and breathing. So you connect the prayer with your breath. I'm going to teach you an Advent form of this. Notice how simple it is. Jesus, light of the world, that's the name. And the desire, shine your light on me. Jesus, light of the world, shine your light through me. So let's do that. And we're going to pray. I'm going to leave a bunch of time, and I want to encourage you to just use these words this Advent, that the light of Jesus shines on you, and the light of Jesus shines through you. So let's... You could all try... We could all try and sync breath, sync our breathing, but let's just...
deep breath in. Jesus, light of the world. Breathe out. Just shine your light on me. Jesus, light of the world. Shine your light through me. Jesus, light of the world. Shine your light on me. Jesus, light of the world. Shine your light through me. All right, open your eyes. What was that like? Thumbs up, down, up, positive experience, something. On a scale of one to 10, with 10 being, yes, I could see myself doing this tomorrow, and one being, I don't think I'm gonna do that again. Where would you rate that for yourself on a scale of one to 10? One, I don't think I'm gonna do it again. 10, I'll, I'll do this tomorrow. Anyone up near a 10? 10s, 9s, 8s, 7s, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Okay, that's great. Well, there's a way to pray continually. There are, a, a, what you can do to, if you, if you're not sure where to start, as you, you want a new prayer, you can just Google names, biblical names of God, and you can come up with names like uh, Holy Spirit, Breath of God, Renew My Mind Today. I'll post this all on the city so you can see, on the circle, sorry, so you can see. Um, here's an even simple, simpler one, five words, Holy One, keep me true. Um, so there's a whole range of things, and the key is, is actually getting in touch with your deep desires, maybe for peace, maybe for healing, maybe for hope, um, and bring those to God. It's pretty cool. Um, uh, very, very helpful. Okay, so change gears. Here's another practical tool. If you go, okay, that's got that one in my arsenal. There's another way that the, um, this came out of the Benedictine uh, Tradition, Benedict, not Benedict, Cummerbund. That was funny. Um, developed a pattern. He said, if, if we're going to pray continually, he said, we, let's, just, let's just make a routine where you pra pray like at fixed hours and the whole monastery would be organized around these fixed hours. So they'd pray night prayer, which is uh, typically like in the middle of the night, called vigils, and then waking up prayers, lords, prayers for beginning work, prime, uh, giving thanks prayers, mid-morning, terse, 
noonday prayer of commitment, sext, mid-afternoon prayer, none, this must be in Latin version pronouncing that, uh, evening prayer of stillness, vespers, or going to sleep prayer of trust, compline. So do you think you're going to find it easy to remember those Latin words? I didn't think so. It's okay. I came up with a contextualized Australian set of words. Wakey, wakey prayer. <laughs> wakey, wakey. Um, uh, coffee prayer. Morning tea prayer. Lunch prayer. Nap prayer. Dinner prayer. Netflix Netflix and chill prayer, but that's up to you. We won't go there. And then Betty buys prayer. More likely to remember those? Well, that's better than Latin, right? And all we're doing is finding regular times through the day where you can just remember to become aware of God and chat to Him. Okay, it's pretty straightforward. So... Um, one thing we do, and is very common, is we, we do the dinner prayer. So we typically, every time we eat, we say grace. That's simply a form of this. How many of you in your families or in your practice say some little prayer before you eat a meal together? So it's very common. Lots of us do that, okay? So all this does is extend that. So now you can combine the two. You can say, how am I ever going to remember to do some breath prayers? Well, you can go, huh, maybe as I have my morning coffee, I'll just take a moment to do some breath prayer. Or maybe as I have, uh, maybe the first thing I do when I wake up is I'm just going to uh, commit my day to God, maybe say the Lord's Prayer, maybe just have a conversation about what's coming up. So you pick something that's going to trigger uh, what you're going to do. It doesn't have to be a lot. These are just triggers around time. Uh, I was having a conversation uh, a few years ago with a group of staff uh, at St. Andrew's Cathedral School. We were talking about praying and, in, and um, involving God in their work as teachers. And their first response when I said that, you know, as staff, uh, you all should pray more as teachers and involve God, their first response was, we don't have time to do that which is a very common response. You, you think, I don't have time to pray more. I'm so flat out. I'm busy. How am I going to pray at work? Okay, so I said, here's the thing you've got to do, right? Um, I, I taught them this, but instead of giving them coffee or lunch prayer, I gave them the door-opening prayer. Okay, the door-opening prayer works like this. If you're a school teacher or you're at work, when you're going, I said, when, when you walk into your classroom from lunch or from first thing in the morning, you put your hand on the door handle to open it up, and you just say a prayer when your hand's on the door handle. And the prayer could be as simple as, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me with these children. <laughs> and in you go. <laughs> Even simpler, Lord Jesus, help me. Just help. Like, that's prayer. That's, and they were like, oh, we can do that. And I'm like, yeah. You know, like sometimes we think prayer has to take a lot of time. And sometimes you can think prayer is like, um, it's like you're having, you're, it, prayer is like talking to the prime minister who's dropped by for a cup of coffee. Oh, Scott, oh, great and glorious liberal leader, 
We come before you with our petitions for just and wise government, and we ask you to reform the pre-selection process in all the liberal branches. And we ask you to defeat the scourge of socialism and radical wokeism in our country, or whatever it is, right? And you think that's what prayer, and it has to go on and on with big flowery language. Now, I'm sure you wouldn't talk to ScoMo like that. You'd, you may have other things you'd want to say to him. Talking to God is not like that. It's like coming to God. Like you, you can do big, fancy prayers, but you can put your hand on the door and say, help me, Jesus. Just find. So, so the fixed hours are triggers that, that trigger your action of actually just remembering that God is with you. And I'd encourage you to, if you are at work, I'd encourage you to find times at work because you need an, you don't. It's incredibly helpful to know that God is with you in your workplace. Because God knows we need him in our work. I know many of you are under a lot of pressure at work. It's difficult. If you're raising young children, God knows you need, you need help with your kids, right? Like sleep-deprived, nappy-changing, mastitis, nuts, craziness, hormones. And that's just the blokes, you know. Um, <laughs> you know, so find a way to find God and talk to God along the way. Sound okay? So, uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, where 10 is, yeah, I'm going to experiment with finding a fixed hour to talk to God tomorrow or for the rest of the week. That's 10. I'm going to give it, a, I'm going to do it. And one is, yeah, I don't think that's going to work for me. And that's fine. Uh, how many are a one? It's not going to work for me. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay, so those of you who had 8 through 10 are likely to do it in personal coaching. Anyone, when you ask them that diagnostic question, if they say anything less than an 8, you go, it's too hard, you're not going to do it, uh, lower your expectations. So um, if you said 7 or below, forget the last 5 minutes and work on something else. Um, you're not going to do it. Uh, 8 and above, yeah, and next week let's talk about what that was like. All right? And the final... Um, uh, the final way to make prayer a little more interesting is, do you know that there are a variety of postures in which you can pray? Well, there are. And, and the Bible has a number of these postures. And, um, you know, f flat out on your back, you know, sleeping is not one of them. Um, but it is often where we end up when we try and pray. So, so here's some postures. What are some, here are some postures with some Bible verses to show that I'm not just making it all up. We can stand to pray. So let's stand. Okay, we're going to stand. That's good. What are some advantages of standing? You can't fall asleep. That is exactly right. But also, standing is a way of honoring the presence of another and giving him or her your full attention. Attention. To stand before the majesty of God. How many of you, when you were at school, were taught whenever a teacher walked into the classroom, you had to stand? Okay, those of us who went to proper schools. Um, how many of you, as men, were taught that you would always stand when a woman entered the room? How many of you were taught when you were, uh, if you were at a dinner party and one of the lady guests uh, left the table, you all had to stand while she left the table? Yeah, you know, like, this is just... And why do we do that? 
because we also need to stretch. No, to show that we are with God. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of God, for the Lord is about to pass by, talking. Uh, when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him. Abraham remains standing before the Lord. So it's okay to stand. That's a good thing to do, right? Um, some churches like uh, take this very seriously. So um, uh, Presbyterian churches of a certain sort will stand to pray and sit to sing and kneel to listen to the sermon. No, I don't think so. But they, okay, so stand to pray. So while we're standing, uh, let's... Uh, Let's pray. Just whatever's on your heart. Just quietly have a little conversation, an interior dialogue with God. Okay, he heard you. That's fine. Now, uh, outstretched arms. Uh, lifting up our arms or hands pulls our awareness towards heaven. It's a posture that opens up the core of our body to God. Okay. So um, when you go into a church if, or you see a church like Hillsong uh, or a Pentecostal church or a charismatic church and they're all singing and their hands are up in the air, I look at that and I go, what a wonderfully traditional church. And when you go to an Anglican church and you see everyone with their hands down, you say, what is this newfangled way of worshipping? It's, uh, it's a Nicky Gumbel joke. I thought it was quite funny the first time I heard it. Um, okay, so, uh, so here... <laughs> hands down, hands down. Okay, so here's the thing to do, right? You... Um, Okay, so put them down again, and let's just lift them up to God. You just your your hands, your being, your heart are going. There's a God above you and over you. Okay, hands down again. Let's do that together. And what we're going to do is we do that. We're just going to go hallelujah as we lift our hands up. Okay, not just yet, but good on you. Okay, <laughs> on the count of three, we'll say as we lift our hands, we go hallelujah. Okay, so hallelujah and hands down and again. Hallelujah. Hands down. Hallelujah. Now, if you want, you can actually add some. Go down to a little squat. Let's just do that. Come on, Kimberly. I can see you want to do that. Okay, because what do we, this movement is about saying there's a God over and above us who is great and glorious and wonderful, and we are reaching out to this God. Because don't you want more of God in your life? I mean, more than anything in my life. I want more of God. Like, honestly, the older I get and the more I know that statistically I'm, I'm going to see him more sooner than I was even yesterday, I want to know him more now so it's not a surprise when I get there. Okay, so uh, together, okay, a little go, a little down, and hallelujah. And again, hallelujah. Okay, that's wonderful. That was so awesome. Uh, and now, you, now, on a scale of one to ten... <laughs> How many of you are going to do that while you commute to work tomorrow? No, let's not do that. Um, then what you can do is you add the next bit. The uplifted eyes, looking up to heaven with open eyes, draws our attention above uh, earthly realities to eternal truths. We're not alone. God is watching us. Psalm 123, I lift my eyes to you, 
to you whose throne is in heaven. As the eyes of slaves look to the hand of their masters, as the eyes of a maid look to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God. So you just, you just look up. So let's, we're going to do a bit of praying now, and I'm not going to, you can just pray whatever's on your heart, and we're not going to do the moving. So what I'm going to invite you to do is raise your hands and look up and have a conversation with God as you look up. And just imagine that you're looking to a God who is there and He hears you and He's your master and your king and your God and you're talking to Him now. So let's just pray. Lord, like the psalmist of old, we lift our eyes to You this morning. You're our God, You're our King. You're in control of this world. We bring our needs to you. We bring our requests to you. We bring the, the desires of our heart to you, God. We bring this world in all its brokenness and mess to you. We say, bring peace, bring healing, bring life, Jesus. Amen. Okay, arms down, head down. And um, our last our last, uh, well, our penultimate posture is kneeling. So uh, we're going to kneel. And here's what I suggest you do with prayer, if you can. If you can't kneel for whatever reason, that's okay. You don't have to kneel. But what I find helpful with these chairs is um, if, you all, if, if you actually just kneel and you use the chair to get down, oh, oh, and then you kneel like this. So what will help is if everyone turns around and faces the other way, and then you kneel on your chair. And you just kneel down if you can. That would be great. Uh, or you sit. Or you do what you can. There's no... You can, yeah, how are you going to get up again? <laughs> just, yeah, you don't have to kneel. That's fine. If you've had hip replacement lately, you don't have to... Yeah, you, there's no, this is totally free. It's a birthing position. We are... Yeah, none of that, thanks. Uh, no pregnant ladies in the house. And the beauty of kneeling is that we express humility and reverence to God. So, Lord, we've laughed this morning, and we've made a few jokes. We've talked very familiarly to you. Now we want to kneel in your presence. And acknowledge that you are God and that we are not. Forgive us for our arrogance. Forgive us for our stubbornness. Forgive us for thinking that we don't need you and that we can make our lives work just fine with minimal involvement from you. Forgive us for thinking, for only thinking of you when we need something. Have mercy on us. Heal us. Fill us with your very presence. Amen. And now you can slowly make your way up. 
and grab a seat. There is one other posture which we won't experiment with this morning. It's lying face down on the ground. I, I, I was thinking about doing that, but I thought that might push the friendship. Um, and there's not really enough space. Um, but that's helpful as well. Um, to lie face down or bowing low to the earth reminds us we're created from dust and to dust we will return. It's a posture of submission and obedient worship. Um, Abraham fell face down and God said to him, they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. I, which, which makes sense, right? If you came into God's presence and you actually saw him as he was, I think we'd be on our faces quick smart. Like, whoa. Imagine all of that, eh? So um, there's some postures to experiment with and to use um, and to involve in your prayer life to make it a meaningful engagement with God. Uh, and that is all we, I have to say as we uh, finish up our time of prayer. I'm going to invite our musicians to come up and lead us in some worship. Thanks, guys.